0: In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word from a throne. Oh, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake you died. So that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who come to the Father are restored, yeah. and the church of Christ was born. Then the The book shall not you change everything change Show us your glory, show us your glory, in wonder and surrender we fall down. Show us your glory, show us your glory.
1: your glory that our desire is to be in your presence where we discover your weight and your substance just meet us here this morning God Thank you for this opportunity to be together, Lord, that that as, as different as we can all be, we have the most important thing in common. Make us aware of your presence. Make us aware that this is holy ground. Church, just dwell on that as we as we move into this time that's that's for our giving, and we've got our buckets up at the front here. You're welcome to come bring your gifts and your offerings to the bucket. We have our app, we have the box at the back of the room you've got the box on your way out there's all sorts of ways that you can do that but more than what you're than what you're giving dwell on how you're giving and what you're giving to that he can that he can pour out the windows of heaven and bless us as we give, but that, that, that that's, that's a side effect. That's a, that's a clause, you know? It's not why we give. Right. So God, as we just linger here in your presence and as we continue to worship, make us aware of how you've already moved in our lives of how you've already poured out that blessing from heaven as we continue to enable you to bless our community by our gifts and our offerings here this morning Lord that we can be the hands and feet of of Jesus in a community in a world that's just becoming more and more skeptical of this whole thing that we can be an honest and true representation of the love of Jesus and God's desire to bless his people. We say that this is good ground to sow in. This is holy ground. And I pray for holy fruit and holy harvest of what's sown here today, Lord. That it's multiplied not for us, but for out there. love you Jesus just continue to inhabit our praise this morning as we worship you Lord
2: that we just use it for a crowbar and all kinds of things. There's things that we use that sometimes we just use them for very common and, and purposes that aren't very meaningful. When we sing about God being holy, we mean that He is someone that we have a relationship that's different from anything else we talk about a place being holy it's set apart for special purposes the the temple in the Old Testament was holy there was a place in it called the holy of holies and only one person went in there one time a year and they tied a rope around him in case he had a heart attack and died they could drag him out because nobody else could go in there That's, that's holy we're also supposed to be holy. We're supposed to see ourselves different. In Jesus, in Christ, we're holy. We're set apart for a purpose that's not common. It's my prayer that we just get in touch with that. Not that we, not that we don't do normal things too. But we are set apart to be Jesus in all the places that We're set apart. We're holy for a purpose. It's my prayer we grab hold of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be seated. Pam? Pam has a couple of announcements, and then we're going to take a five minute break. Y'all refill your coffee and get some another donut.
3: Well, welcome to church. Um, if we have any first-time visitors in here, let's just give them a give them a clap. Oh, We're excited to see you here today. Um, if you're visiting, there is a packet under the seat in front of you. Pull out a Connect card. Fill that out for us. We won't spam you. We won't chase you down or anything, but we would like to contact you. So we are happy you're here this morning. Um Two announcements. We have women's conference this weekend, and we are super excited about it. It's going to be awesome. Um, part of our worship team, Logan, Haley, and Juliet are going to be there and helping lead worship. And um, there is always going to be room because there's not limited seating. Um, you can wait till Friday to decide you want to come and drive up drive down because it's only two and a half hours away but uh, hotels is an issue so there's just they're running out of room I have one room left if anybody wants to go and you're willing to share a room with somebody Um, so we we would love to take a group of ladies I have we have several that are going but I'd love to see more go if you can if you want to go Let me know. Um, The second announcement is that our 10 to 14-year-olds are meeting tonight at 6 o'clock up here. Dinner's provided. They have a good time. So if you're in that age group, you'll want to come. They have a lot of fun. And Logan and Haley lead that group. Also, I'm just going to throw this out there. I see a lot of older teenagers in this room today. So, if y'all want to gather a group together to do something, besides being here on a Sunday, if you want to do something any other time, this is the guy to talk to, and I have his number. So,
2: take five? Yes. Alrighty. Ready, break. You didn't even have to turn the music off, I'm just, might dance a little bit while we're I'm gonna apologize to you all right now for using my iPad on stage. I think that's pretentious. If you use your iPad, that's okay, but um, our copiers broke, so I can't have a paper copy of my, of my notes. So, I, apologizing half time. And I'm just gonna start. First, some of you guys that have been out from being sick, I'm so glad to see you back. Um, we still have people out sick This cold, that's stuck with people for two months, and um, I, I don't know about that, but uh, the Newcombs, who uh, Brent and Juliet uh, are our kind of worship leader coordinators, and um, Juliet's our worship pastor. She has been involved in, um, for the overall church ministry, a lot of um, worship stuff that we do for big events. And so next weekend, she and Haley have put all the stuff together for that work for the worship at the women's conference, and she tested positive for COVID this weekend. So, yeah, no, we want to be in prayer for the, uh, the Brent and Juliet Newcomb. They were supposed to be on a vacation. They were supposed to go to Angel Fire Skiing this week and uh, had reservations and had just FYI, this is for free. I'm giving you this for free. If you have trip insurance, it doesn't cover if you get COVID. If you come down with an epidemic, uh, some pandemic thing or epidemic, so I guess that means if you got flu or anything, maybe it wouldn't care. And our last couple of trips, we've gotten trip insurance for our, our flights. And then I find out if I'd gotten COVID, it wouldn't cover it. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Y'all know me, I have ADD, and that was a squirrel that I just chased. So, back to my iPad. Um, We sang three songs this morning um, that talked about Jesus being king. Uh, King of Kings was the first song, and and all the others had stuff about Jesus being king in it. Which, I would already decided on this message before we did that, but... It's who Jesus is. We are... We have just begun the Lenten season. The season of Lent. Yes. How many of you know what Lent is? Okay. Um, we had Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday. Y'all know what Ash Wednesday is? That's when they put the ashes on you. That's the. Do you know where the ashes come from? I just, This is for free. And if you ever get on Jeopardy, maybe you can win some money. Um, In the liturgical traditions, Palm Sunday, the the fronds that they use for Palm Sunday, and, and flowers and stuff are saved, and they dry out all year long. That's what they make the ashes out of. So there's, you know, all this symbolism. All of that involves this season where we're preparing for Easter, and Easter is not about the bunny and the eggs, of course. Um, it is about the resurrection. Not even the crucifixion. You know, we, we focus a lot on that. It's not even on the crucifixion. It's the resurrection. Right. So during this time of, of preparation and recognition of the resurrection and how pivotal that is for our whole faith, What it means for us for the life hereafter and all those things is hinges on uh, that resurrection. And Lent is a preparation for that. In, In old traditions, hundreds of years ago, it was a preparation for baptism because tons of people got baptized once things warmed up enough. And so in the springtime around Easter, lots of people would get baptized. So... This was a preparation for baptism even. it Whatever it is, it's a time of preparation. Um, and I didn't grow up doing that kind of stuff. But in my grown-up years, I focused more on preparing my heart, preparing my mind for these special times of the year. And Pam and I, a couple of decades ago, got involved with a... a a retreat movement called the Walk to Emmaus. And in that, there it had a liturgical tradition, a high church that, that looked at um, the holidays and things from a spiritual standpoint. And it was, it was revelation for us. I'd grown up not doing it. And if I'd grown up doing it, and I'm, I don't mean to disparage any of it, but if I'd grown up doing it, and I say this because I've seen other people who have grown up in that, not get much out of it the first time that pam and i ever went to a mass um, a catholic mass. well it had been about the second or third time for me but went to a catholic mass and it was a wedding and we sang at this wedding and they went into a normal like similar to a sunday morning mass and during that time i thought the priest was speaking latin um, as it turns out, it, it was English with a Polish accent, but, um, and you can ask me about that later. But um, I thought, but he was just mumbling this stuff as he went along, and it turns out everybody around me, they were, I, did, I thought it was Latin, but they did away with Latin in the Catholic Church in, in the early 60s, so it, they, they were just kind of mumbling these things and not even really thinking much about what we said, they were saying. And when Pam and I got into it, we start we thought about what we were saying in these like communion celebrations where you, um uh, where you'd say something and or the priest would say something and you'd say something back, and I stood in as the the celebrant the 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 pastoral leader of communion, and people would speak it back to me, it, it became so meaningful to me. And so during that time, we started doing these times of preparation, like Advent for Christmas and Lent for Easter. And it, it came to mean a lot more to us. So it, during this beginning of Lent time, I'm not going to talk any more about that, but I, I come to you with a question this morning. Um, and I want to set it up this way. How many of you know C.S. Lewis? He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But he wrote a lot of other Christian works. And one of them was Mere Christianity. He wrote the Screwtape Letters. That's an interesting one about a devil. Um, uh, one of Satan's minions that's writing to his nephew, who is a, a, an up-and-coming demon. And he writes him this, these letters about how he could maybe do a better job. It's, they're kind of funny. But... Um, Mere Christianity is one of the major works that he uh, did. And he grew up um, and in the, the church, but then he kind of strayed from the faith and came back. And Mere Christianity is part of that. And he proposes in that something that's called a trilemma. You all have heard of a dilemma before, a dilemma where you have these two choices and, and something about the choices, like neither one of them is very good, that's a dilemma. Um, C.S. Lewis came up with something, and I don't know if he's the one that named it that or if somebody else did, but it's C.S. Lewis's trilemma, and it's, a, and it's these three choices. One of them's, yeah, not a very good choice, and the other one are just difficult, and, and some people may find the, the last choice very, very difficult, difficult. That trilemma involves a choice between lunatic, liar, or lord, he said, if Jesus is not who he said he was, and this is a slight paraphrase of what he said because he uses lots of big words. If Jesus is not who he said he was, he was at best a lunatic and at his worst a liar. Yeah, I just want to see how quiet got, it, got in here then to call Jesus a liar. But that's, that's the three-part dilemma, trilemma of that C.S. Lewis was referring to. The world has... debated... about who Jesus is. Even in the Muslim world, in, in the Quran and everything, Jesus is in there. Um, and, the, and in Islam, Jesus is considered a great prophet... But that's all, you know that he that he spoke the oracles of God, that he uh, made commentary on society that was accurate and and is useful for us to learn from. That is uh, that is how they see him, a prophet. A lot of the world looks at Jesus being the Son of God, but they don't get much past that, and in some ways, I've proposed that for many people, Jesus is this kind of very religious Easter Bunny. That I'm looking at who we have in here. I want to make sure I don't spoil anybody on the that whole thing. But um, I think we're okay. The Easter Bunny's not real, right? I'm looking at it, it, for panicked parents anywhere. Okay, and a, a person's faith involves just getting stirred up and try, stirred up enough, and and trying hard enough that you get to where you just believe in the Easter Bunny. And that's, and some people look at Jesus; he's the Son of God, and he's, and if I tr- try really hard, I can somehow develop this faith. That which is silly, by the way. Our faith is based on stuff that's real. It's in the spirit world. Martin, Martin Luther King um, said, Martin Luther King Jr., said that the, the world we see is the shadow cast by the world we don't see. He said that things in the spirit world were the real stuff and cast shadows into the world that we live in that, and so the spirit world was more real than what we see. And if you think about it from a temporal versus eternal equation or a, that balance, then certainly that's true. Because the things as a spirit last. And the things as this world don't. My awesome iPhone 15 will be no good in just a few years. And it'll be rusty and in, a pi- in some landfill somewhere. As cool as it is now, nothing lasts. But the things in the spirit will last. Our faith is based on things that are real. It's not, our faith is not based on stirring up some kind of, uh, with our effort and brain and whatever, to decide that something that's not real is real. That's wrong. Even other un, non-Christian faiths, and I mean, I don't mean Baptists <laughs> I, I, or, or Methodists or whatever. I mean, it's completely separated from the Christian faith, um, Eastern religions, and all of those. They recognize that Jesus was a real person, a person in history. Many of them recognized that he was a great teacher. But if we don't firmly establish in our own minds, hearts, and our soul, if we don't establish who Jesus is to us, I don't think we can ever have a faith that will do us any good. And, and, and our faith is supposed to do us some good. It's supposed to make a difference in our lives. It's supposed to make a difference in the lives of our children and, uh, and in our nation and all, all kinds of things. And I'm not advocating for a, a theocracy or anything like that. Um, you know, just a Christian Taliban or something like that. But I'm saying that it should inform all that we do. So think about C.S. Lewis's trilemma. Jesus is Lord or he's a lunatic because he said he he was God. A lot of people don't believe that, but he did. Or he was a liar. He knew he wasn't God and he just conned people. Or he truly is Lord. And if we come to that place, it affects how we do a lot of different things. If Jesus is Lord, we sang King, King of Kings, and uh, Jesus being King in three worship songs this morning. In the culture that we live in, we uh, emancipated ourselves from a king um, 250 years ago. Is that right? 250? Yeah, about 250 years. Um, we we got away from a king, and by golly, we don't even want to think much about a king, but. If you call Jesus king, it affects how you do a lot of things. So, I want to look at, um, in the beginning of this Lenten season, the season of Lent, and this first in a series of messages on preparing for Easter, uh, I, I pose that question to you. Who is Jesus? And not just vaguely, but who is Jesus to you? Because who he is affects every aspect of our faith. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to... We're going to be going through the book of Mark. All the scriptures in the next five weeks are going to come from the book of Mark. We studied the book of Matthew last year, and a lot of this stuff is in there too. But, um, because you know the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all the story of Jesus, of his earthly ministry. Um, and uh, they have, it's a very similar, I mean, most of the stuff is in all four of them. At least Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is a little bit different. I don't want to get stuck on this, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to move on. Um, th- we're going to be looking at the book of Mark, and I want to jump into the middle of the book of Mark, at Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 27. This is at, this is in the story of Jesus, and by story of Jesus, I don't mean story like Cinderella. I mean the the, the historical account of Jesus. And I think it is. A, I believe. I also think that it, and I can support that. If you want to have a debate about it, that it is a that at least this portion that deals with Jesus has historical roots. And so, just like. Washington chopping down a cherry tree whether that happened or not it's part of that that story and it but it's a, about George Washington and how many of you believe in George Washington okay why do you believe in George Washington i mean there's a lot of letters that George Washington wrote that support that he you know he really was a person that existed in history but there's a lot of Of writings that support that Jesus existed in history in fact there's probably more than on George Washington and that's hard for us to conceive of because that was just 200 years ago that George Washington was still alive and Jesus 2,000 years ago but there's not and I'm not just talking about the Bible either I'm talking about other historical writings by Roman historians that existed at the time that everybody believes that stuff happened. When you talk about Nero burning down Rome in 63 or 64 A.D., nobody questions whether that happened or not. This is the same thing. We're talking about Jesus, right? So in the account of Jesus with his disciples... Kind of in the middle of his ministry, of his three year ministry that involved the disciples, and this is after he 's fed five thousand after he 's fed four thousand after he 's walked on the water when they were in a storm, and he walks to them in the middle of the storm um, it 's after the right after those things they 've had some arguments with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they 're walking along in northern the northern part of the uh, biblical lands uh, up in Galilee. They're walking around up there, and he says, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. So that was, oh, well, never mind. They, They were in that town up north. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And he was talking about just, what people? In fact, when I wrote it down in my notes here, I said people. Um, Because there were a lot of different people, not just men, but a lot of people were talking about Jesus. Lots of people were talking about Jesus. People who favored him, people who wanted something from him, people who hated him. A lot of people were talking about Jesus, trying to figure out who he was. So they answered, well, some say John the Baptist, who was a contemporary of Jesus. In fact, it's Jesus' cousin. Some say John the Baptist, the guy that was the forerunner of Jesus, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the prophet from 800 years earlier, and, and it's come back to life. John the Baptist, Elijah, and others say one of the other prophets. I, I don't know if that was a good enough answer or not, because he said, who do people say I am? And they answered, and so I don't know if they got a check mark or a star or anything like that, but Jesus ask a follow-up question to them, and he says, but who do you say that I am? It's, it's an important question. This is, this is winding down towards the last year of his ministry. And he's seen these yahoos. I, I hesitate to call, call them crowbars. You know what a crowbar is? You know, it's that long metal thing. It's got a hook on one end. And it's for tearing down stuff. It's for just tearing up stuff. And it's for breaking and bashing. And um, That's what the disciples were to me. They just messed things up all the time. They just had a discussion with Jesus. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. How many of you know what leaven is? Okay. Um, it's what makes dough rise. So, um, you're... Uh, Your sourdough starter is leaven. Um, They didn't have Fleischmann's yeast back then that you could just throw in some water and make that up. They had to nurse their starters along and sourdough starter, that kind of thing. But Jesus said, you know, a little bit of that stuff that the Pharisees um, are injecting into our spiritual life, a little bit of that goes a long way. And it affects, once you put it in there, it affects everything. That's what Jesus meant. It's a little bit like dog poop brownies. It just <laughs> takes a tiny, tiny bit to to totally change the whole idea of brownie. It, some, my father asked his kid, how much, how much, you know, the kid was saying, well, it's just a little small thing. And so, the father says, okay, I'm going to put just a tiny amount of dog poop in the brownies. What, how would that be? It's the, same, it's the same principle. Jesus was saying this little, it's a slight thing, it's negative, but it affects the whole bunch. The disciples bless their hearts. You know when I say bless their heart, I'm going to say something bad, right? Um, that's what we do in the South. Bless their hearts, the disciples went, Oh man, I think he's mad at us because we didn't bring any bread. I do, I'm not sure if they said it loud enough for Jesus to hear, but Jesus heard anyway. And, so, and a lot of things he heard in his spirit. I mean, perceived that people were t- what they were saying. And Jesus said, Really, guys? I just fed 5,000 people and 4,000 people with nothing. And you're, you're worried about the bread? You think I'm worried about bread? That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, crowbars. That's what, the, that's what the disciples were. John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the other prophets. Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And the biggest crowbar of them all was Peter. I mean, he had his foot in his mouth most of the time. In fact, the passage right after this he says something to Jesus and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he wasn't really calling him Satan, but he was saying, you're, you're, you are you you do not realize what you're doing. You're, you're standing in the way of, of our whole purpose. So stop it. Bless his heart. Peter says the smartest thing he ever said. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of God. Not here in Mark, but in one of the other Gospels. It says, Jesus answered and said to him. This is in Matthew, by the way. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God somehow miraculously put that in Peter. Because Jesus said, you couldn't figure this out on your own. You're a crowbar. Um, you, you couldn't have figured this out on your own. God had to show this to you a mirac- in some kind of miraculous way. But Peter does come up with it. And I don't know if that's a lesson for us opening up to let God do that in us. But he, his answer for who is Jesus is he's the Christ. Don't raise your hands or anything, but do you know what Christ means? Christos is the Greek word that the Jews had, which was Messiah. And they mean the same thing. So you just put equal sign between Messiah and Christ. It's the same thing. But a lot of us don't know what that means either. Because we don't know Hebrew and we don't know Greek. It means Savior. That's another word that does it really mean anything to us. What if I, instead of of me saying Savior, Savior, what if I said saver? If I'm out in the lake with Josh and I fall overboard and he reaches in and pulls me back into the boat, he is the saver. He saved me from drowning. The saver. That's who Jesus is. That's what Christ means. That's what Messiah means. He's the one who comes to save us. That's important. Because it means so many things. And, and on a timeline, it, it has an impact on it that affects everything. He's our He's our saver for eternity. He's our saver for right now. A lot of... I grew up and we sang a lot of songs about heaven and one day things were going to be awesome but now they're pretty crappy. Jesus is our savior for even during this time right now. That he makes our right now good. And I don't know if, you, if any of you have experienced it. And I know there's some people in, in here this morning who don't have a lot of life experience. Younger people and stuff. And you've not had... By the grace of God, awful things happen to you. But Jesus is our savior in this, in the moments that we live in right now. I've experienced that in a way that um, I mentioned last week that um, I might not be here if Jesus hadn't been my savior for the right now. Not just my savior for someday. Jesus said, You're blessed. For seeing that. And I do think it takes. A, a certain amount of. God's grace on us. The, the Holy Spirit influencing us. Us having a knowledge. That, that doesn't just come from flesh and blood. Like Jesus said. I, I, I think that that's maybe essential. For you really. Having a grasp of. What God does for us. And, and through, through his son. Death on the cross. Substitution. If Jesus was just any old guy, him taking our punishment wouldn't mean very much. like if one of you mess i don't do y'all get licks do y'all get hip spanked with a board anymore in school? Anybody? no, okay Cruz wasn't afraid to answer um, <laughs> in my day you'd get and my day was a little while back but in algebra, Coach Baskin pulled me up in the, at the desk right in front of the class and gave me three hard swats um, and with a wooden board and in front of the whole class. And if somebody else had volunteered, it would have to be somebody pretty special. Just any old, that's the situation of Jesus taking our punishment for us. He had to be something, just any old Even And the sacrifices were uh, a shadow of that. They were a hint at what was to come. And so the sacrifices, even the sacrifices had to be perfect, unblemished, and all that stuff. They had to be special. So who Jesus is when he takes our punishment is important. It was also important for Jesus' followers moving in, and he had just seen them on the lake in the middle of the storm not, perform, not performing very well. In fact, in, in Matthew it says he would have passed, no, in, in, it's actually in Mark later on. In Mark it says he would have passed them by. He came to them walking on the water and he would have passed them by. The first time I noticed that, and I'd read it a million times, first time I noticed that, I said, he would have passed them by. That's not very nice. I've, I've suggested that to some pastor friends of mine. They said, it doesn't say that. <laughs> he wouldn't passed them by. Two sentences later, it says, because they didn't understand about the loaves and the fishes. He helped them, and he had to help them, because they didn't understand about the loaves and the fishes. There's something about that miracle that has an impact on on what they were able to do concerning the storm. Jesus would have passed them by because as far as Jesus was concerned they had all they needed to be able to take care of the problem. And it all hinges on understanding who Jesus is. And And how the kingdom works because of what Jesus has done. And it was important for his followers to be totally solid on who he he was, is. Maybe it's important for us too. And our kids and our church leaders and leaders of our nation, all those things. And I would bring you back to finish up here on the very first verse of the book of Mark. That's That's the portion of the Bible that we're in right now, is Mark. The second gospel out of the four. John Mark was a young man that was with Paul on his missionary journeys, and he wimped out or something and Paul kicked him out and what didn't have any use for him for a while. But afterwards he did call him back and said, I need you. But but Mark was a young man that wasn't here during Jesus' ministry. And so he got his information from somebody else, very likely Peter, who helped him put all this together. And he starts off the his whole account. And you got to think about If he wrote this down and it's his first sentence and they had paper type stuff that they were writing on. Very, very, very expensive and hard to come by. But he writes this down and takes up ink and paper to do that. It was pretty important. Everything he wrote was pretty important. The very first thing he writes is... The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there that is, Jesus the Savior. the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He wrote that at a time when people were debating who Jesus was. 20, 30 years after his death, they're debating who Jesus was and who he could have been And there's a lot of weird debates about that that He was just a spirit. He wasn't real and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it's important for the disciples to say, no, He was real. I I touched Him. I, I sat down and ate with Him. He ate real food and it didn't like float out into the ether or anything like that. He was a real person. He slept. He ate stuff. Anyway, who is Jesus? Mark says, the the Christ, the Son of God. I've had um I've had debates with people who say, Well, but but the Bible says that we're children of God, that we're we're his children. How is Jesus different from that? It's, it is different. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John, when he wrote his, the other, Matthew, the beginning of his says, In the beginning, so-and-so begat somebody else, whatever begat means. Um, and he has this whole lineage which is important because of his audience. But John and Mark both say, this is who Jesus is. The end of Jesus' ministry in the book of Mark, which I'm going to tell you right now, because I don't know what's going to be... We're not going to, I'm not going to use this anywhere later. But on the cross, when Jesus dies, the centurion which the centurion was a Roman soldier who was in charge of a hundred people. That's what it means. And he's there in charge of the crucifixion. It says, Mark 15, 39. It says, so when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Mark begins the story. Mark begins with that and he essentially ends with that. There's there's more verses after that. But, But the story of Jesus' earthly ministry is bookended by Jesus, the Son of God. If that's true, then I challenge you this morning, what does that mean for you? The first question is, who is Jesus? Second question is, okay, what are you going to do about it? If he's, if he's King like we've talked about this morning in three songs, what does that mean for you? If He's King. If He's Lord. If He's even, if, if He's a saver. What does it mean for you? And we're going to continue talking about that for these next four weeks. As we lead up to Easter time. So, would you bow with me right now? As Jen comes and plays for just a moment, what does that mean for you? Who is Jesus and what does that mean for you? This is a private thing. Um, I'm not looking for any kind of public response. It may be something that you have a discussion about in your life group or with your family at home. Who is Jesus? What does that mean for me? Because it, it has the potential to impact every aspect of our life. Not even just our faith lives. Not even just what we do at church and uh, our spiritual life. But every aspect of it. What, what do we would do with our time? How do we come into deeper relationship with Jesus? How do we access that support that I talked about this morning that sees you through the storms of life and function in the way that Jesus expected even His disciples to function in? What does that mean for us every day? Who is Jesus? What does that mean for me? It has the potential to not only affect our lives, but the lives of our friends and our family. Who is Jesus? And what does that mean for me? Father, as we consider those things this morning, I pray for your spirit to move us in a direction that would be what your desire is for us. For, for us to be able to fulfill our purpose of being your children in this world, of being seed, like seed planted in the ground. Father, I pray that you bless us with that knowledge and understanding but not just something in our head, but something in our, in our spirit. Influenced by your spirit in such a way that we become holy. We, could, we become different from those around us. That we become different from just the rest of the culture. That we become different in such a way that we improve the lives of the people around us. That's what kingdom means, that that the kingdom of Jesus is a positive influence on our whole environment. And it affects how we do school and how we do work and how we do sports and how we do everything that that Jesus in us has a positive impact on our whole world. That's how kingdom happens. That's how kingdom come, thy will be done happens. As we respond to you in that, Father, make us a blessing. Everywhere we go, it's in his name we pray.